By the time we get to Romans chapter 15, the apostle Paul is making an appeal to believers. What I know about scripture, you do as well. He is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So what we will read this morning is not just the appeal of the Apostle Paul, though it certainly is that. It is the cry of the Holy Spirit. This is the desire of God. I'm going to begin reading in verse 4 of Romans chapter 15. Let's listen in as Paul is writing to this group of believers. For whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Seize on that word. Now, the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now, I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles in him shall the Gentiles trust. And in verse 13, we have perhaps a prayer for the new year. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Hope is a theme of that segment of verses. It is inescapable that the glory of God is also a predominant theme in those verses, which means the appeal that the Apostle Paul is making ultimately is for the glory of God. The cry of the Holy Spirit is that our behavior would modify to this passage of Scripture and that it would be to the glory of God. I have no concept what the next 12 months hold. I don't know. I have some plans. I have some ideas, desires, and goals. But I know one thing you and I will encounter in 2023, and that is human relationship. In fact, you're already engaging in it today. And unless you left your house alone, you started with it very early this morning. Life is made up of relationships. Every baby that is born into the world just adds one more relationship. I'd imagine if you're anything like me, and perhaps some of you are, you have said something along these lines. Lord, if it wasn't for people... I'd be a really great Christian. Lord, if it wasn't for people, I would enjoy the ministry to people more. If it wasn't for people, my Christian walk would really be stellar. Honestly, though, relationships are kind of the key. Human relationships 
are outward evidence, outward manifestation. They are revelatory of whether we're living righteous before God and walking in obedience to Him or not. And by the way, people don't always succeed, even Christian people, even church-going people. I found this story somewhat humorous, though not really. Churches have been known to divide over the smallest of matters such as one which split over a conflict as to where the piano ought to be placed. Can you imagine the stupidity of where the piano got placed? We all know this should be in the middle because it's where I stand. There's no arguing about that. Not only that, the story is told of two congregations that were located only a few blocks from each other in a small community. They thought it might be better if they would merge and become one united, larger, and more effective body rather than two struggling churches. Good idea. But they were not able to pull it off. The problem, you might ask, they could not agree on how they would recite the Lord's Prayer. One group preferred, forgive us our trespasses, while the other group demanded, forgive us our debts. A news article was written on it, and the newspaper reported, so one church went back to its trespasses, while the other returned to its debts. All the way back in the first century, it was no different. Human relationships get strained. And human relationships get strained because humans are in them. And when humans deny glorifying God and living out the precepts of Scripture, their relationships are doomed. That's why we arrive here this morning in Romans 15 where the Apostle Paul is making an appeal. The cry of the Holy Spirit is evident in these passages. As one writer said, the adversary is on the move, marching from church to church, from home to home, seeking someone to devour. His appetite is insatiable. His hatred for the people of God has no limits. One of the defenses that we have against the adversary is the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We are together in this. As hard as it is for us to imagine because we think of the early church as a pristine setting for glorifying God, understand it was a difficult time for the Jew to stand next to the believing Gentile. It was challenging for the Gentile, newly faithed, to stand next to the Jew and worship together. It's no wonder the Apostle Paul says in verse 7, Wherefore receive ye one another. As Christ also received us to the glory of God. Culture demanded that the Jew and the Gentile be separate from one another. How do we interact when we stand even at cultural differences with other believers? When we find strain in human relationships. The Apostle Paul makes this appeal. It is the cry of the Holy Spirit. Receive one another even as Christ has received you. And that is a strong word. Receive. Webster even says it's to take into one's possession. To accept. Why was Paul so concerned about relationships within the church. Why should we adopt that concern and carry it for ourselves? Because it's about the glory of God. 
And if we are ever to glorify God in this way, there are some things in this passage that we have to receive. And the first thing we must receive is the Scriptures. Receive the Scriptures. Note back in verse 4 what we read. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. How many of you, don't raise your hand, I don't want to embarrass anybody, get to January 1st and you are really, and I mean this time, you're really going to read the Bible this year. Don't raise your hand. Listen, I'm raising my hand because I want you to know, this year, I'm going to try. I'm really going to make a go of reading the Bible this year. All of us comprehend the fresh start of the new year and the impetus to get into the Word of God. And if you start at the beginning, I'm going to tell you by the time you get somewhere into February, you are grinding hard. Right? You get into Leviticus and you're talking about scabs on the top of the bald place and you're talking about white spots on the body and you're thinking, man, I, what and what are we talking about? Hyssop flicking blood on stuff, heifers and sows, birds and grain, sand and wool suits mixed with cotton touching bird nests. I mean, you, you think I'm kidding. Start. Tell me about it in mid-February or March. You say, Pastor, I kind of like getting into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I even like Jonah. I mean, there's a pretty good story in Jonah. Even Esther has some good stuff in it. Here's what you must grasp. When the Apostle Paul makes this appeal to the believers in Rome, and he says to them, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, he only has the Old Testament in effect to offer them. Now you say, I'm tripping over the theology here. Because didn't Paul tell them they didn't have to maintain all the rites and they didn't have to fulfill all the ceremonies and the festivals and the Sabbath for salvation? Yes, he makes that clear in chapter 14, listen in in verse 5. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks, and he that eateth not to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. He's saying, you don't need all the ceremony. You don't need all the rites. You don't have to uphold all of this stuff. But you do have to immerse yourself in the Scriptures. You do have to receive God's revelation. It is profitable. All Scripture, Paul tells Timothy, is profitable. All of it. Even the stuff about touching birds' nests shows us the nature of God. Paul wrote to the believers at Corinth, speaking of the Israelite example in 1 Corinthians 10, 6. Now, these things were our examples. What the nation of Israel did in the Exodus, it was recorded for us so that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Don't do what the children of Israel did. Read the account. Read their ingratitude toward God. Read of their stubbornness. Read of their selfishness. Read of their faithlessness. And don't do it. Further, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, Now all these things happened unto them for in samples. They were examples. 
And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world may come. I don't want to do the Old Testament stuff. Grasp this. The historical sections of the Old Testament are there for an example. The wisdom and poetry books of the Old Testament are there to help us think and live rightly. The prophets are there to warn us of the devastating consequences of sin, the threat of God's judgment. Don't miss that twice in verse 4, the word written is in there. God chose to give us His revelation in written form, which means we must apply ourselves to reading it which engages our mind, which tells us the only way for us to think biblically is to read the Bible. That's probably the deepest thing you've ever heard preached. The only way for us to be like God or to be like Christ is to immerse ourselves in the written word. I can say plainly to you, if you are not in the habit of receiving the scriptures, you are in trouble with your human relationships. It's staggering how many people of faith avoid studying the scriptures. Has it ever occurred to you that the living word, Jesus, quoted the written word three times when he faced the devil? The Greek word that Paul uses in here for our learning is literally the scriptures are the teaching instrument that reveal both act and content for holy living. You say, well, actually, I have some devotional books that help me with that. Actually, I listen to a really smart guy on Sundays who's incredibly eloquent, but it's got to be someone online. I'm good with it. Grasp this. Inescapable for 2023. If you're going to have hope, if you're going to have joy, if you're going to have peace, you must receive the scriptures. God chose to give us his revelation in a written format. You must engage your mind, discipline yourself to study it. If you are not receiving the scriptures, your human relationships are in trouble. It is literally for our learning. It is how we act. It is the content of holy living. You can't avoid the scriptures and live righteously. But not only receive the scriptures. He says in verse 5, receive one another. Note this. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you, that's a prayer, to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind... And one mouth, glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Everything in Scripture is intentional. It is on purpose that the Apostle Paul introduces God in verse 5 as the God of patience and consolation. Before he tells us, receive one another. Because do you know what it will take to receive one another? Patience and consolation. And that's what God is. And then when he wraps it up, he says to us, you receive one another as Christ received you. You know what that means? 
The emphasis in this verse is not that we see everything eye to eye. How many of you were rooting for Michigan last night? Nobody. All right. Very spiritual church. How many of you were rooting for Ohio State last night? All right, there's more of them. How many of you were rooting for Georgia last night? What? How many of you were rooting for TCU last night? Thank you, Texas Christian University. I mean, something to hold on to. Now, there were a lot of different hands up. That's just two football games. He's not saying we have to see everything eye to eye. Now, here's the truth. Some churches operate like that. Either see it like I see it or get out. Either do it like I do it or move on. He's not saying we have to see everything eye to eye. He's saying we all have to stay focused on the Lord. True unity in the church is not cultural unity. In fact, one culturally unified church in the sense that everybody is of the same stuff really isn't God-honoring. Not only that, get this, true unity is not primarily outward conformity. Well, we can tell where you go, you have the uniform on. True unity is not cultural unity, it's not even outward conformity. True unity comes from God. As we receive the scriptures and intentionally receive one another, Spurgeon said this, we shall be like-minded with one another when we become like-minded with Christ, but not till then. Not until you become like-minded with Christ will we become like-minded with one another. I am a nitpicker by nature. I pick nits. Small things I will pick. The fact is, it is our nature, yours as well, to be a nitpicker. That's why we need a new nature in order for us all to be able to get along. I love what one author said. He said, we need a nature in which we discover that the ground is level at the cross of Christ. That our brotherhood is in the saving gospel of grace. We have a unity based, not on Adam's blood, but Christ's. Not of flesh, but of faith. Not by our first birth, but by our second. Paul is not calling for us to simply accept new believers into our church fellowship, although that would certainly be included in this admonition. He is calling on all Christians to accept one another in the fullest and deepest sense, to treat each other with love and understanding, just as Christ also accepted us. He went on, in effect, live in harmony with one another. Be unified because that is the will of Jesus. The reason is that they need to come together and with one voice glorify God. Stop being fractured, he wrote. Stop passing judgment and despising one another. Glorify God in one voice. He finishes by saying, stop focusing on your disagreements and start focusing on glorifying God together. You say, well, that's passive preaching. That requires a spiritual maturity that most of us know not of. It is incredible strength. It is thoroughly biblical. It is all through the epistles to the early churches. It is all throughout the gospels. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you will love one another even as I have loved you. It is what the marriage relationship shows out. Love, husband, your wife, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. How do we miss this? Receive one another. It's a strong word. Not just welcome one another, that's easy. 
Handshake time's easy. Handshake time is not relational. Handshake time is shake and move on. Receive one another as it is used here is literally welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. With all of your problems and with all of your mistakes and you say, well, at least Jesus and I are a lot alike. What? I mean, I do have a beard and Jesus had one. That's just plugged in for all the beard haters. <laughs> I mean, I have before girded up my loins and worn sandals. I guess I'm like Jesus. Jesus received you while you were yet dead in your trespasses and sins. Christ died for you. That's a stunning reality. We could perhaps very loosely paraphrase verse 7 by saying, embrace one another as Christ has embraced you. That reminds us, do you think that Jesus Christ embraced you because you deserved it? Do you think Jesus embraced you because you were embraceable? Scripture tells us The opposite is true. In our sinful condition, we were hostile toward God. We were at enmity with God. We literally fought against God. It is peace mediated through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And God sent Jesus to die for us when we were openly his enemies. Hostile toward him. Nothing like him. Dead in trespasses and sins to one who was sinless. Wretched liars to one who never spoke a mistruth. It points us to grace. That's how God demonstrated his love for us. You know what part of our problem is in 2023 and it's only a few hours old? We don't willingly embrace and forgive others because we have a higher opinion of ourselves than we ought. Paul's making this appeal that if God... If Jesus has shown his grace to needy, polluted, self-seeking, self-interested, self-centered, depraved, egotistic, arrogant, perverted, wandering, wretched sinners like us, is that list long enough or should we add more? Because we could add a lot more. How can we not show grace to one another who are now united by the precious blood? A second birth, not the first one. It is in our nature to be nitpickers, but we have a new nature that unifies us. Not the first birth, but the second birth. Not Adam's blood, but the blood of Jesus Christ. Receive one another. It's important for our testimony to a world that is fractured and splintered. The main reason for Christian unity is not so the pastor can sleep at night or so that we expand our group of friends. It's to glorify God. It literally glorifies God when people from diverse backgrounds and different ethnicities and personalities and age groups join together in worship in a unified way. The world marvels. How are people so different all getting along? Jesus Paul said in Ephesians 4, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Don't just tolerate, warmly welcome even those that are different than you are. Anger is arrogance. 
period. So, well, there's righteous indignation. We aren't talking about that. Sinful, fleshly anger is arrogance. Your opinion does not need to be forced on every other person on the planet. Stop thinking so highly of yourself. If we had mere humility sweep through the church in the United States of America and gratitude, it would revolutionize the message of the gospel in this world. Receive one another. Receive the scriptures. Receive one another. And then in verse 8, he concludes by telling us to receive Christ. Now, I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God. To confirm the promises made unto the fathers. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. And then he starts quoting scripture. What is Paul doing? Using written scripture in a message. The Apostle Paul, interestingly, in this passage, where he has just exhorted all the believers in verse 4 to receive the Scriptures, he is going to quote the Scriptures over and again. All of his quotes are Old Testament, though now much of what he's saying to us is quoting the New Testament. That's a meta view that no one else entered into. Thanks very much for missing that. He's quoting Scripture over and over and over. In verse 8 and 9, he's explaining how Christ accepted both Jews and Gentiles. A minister to the circumcision. A servant to the Gentiles. And then he quotes from the law. He quotes from the prophets. And he quotes from the Psalms. In verse 9, he quotes from 2 Samuel when David is singing of his deliverance from King Saul. I will confess to thee among the Gentiles. In verse 10, he quotes from Deuteronomy 32 when Moses is calling on all the Gentiles to praise God with the Jews when he says, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. The third quote in verse 11 is from Psalm 117, when the Jews and the Gentiles are praising together, when he says, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles. In verse 12, there shall be a root of Jesse, is a quote from Isaiah. In other words, the Messiah will come from the family line of David, and the Jews are praising God among the Gentiles. Gentiles are praising God along with the Jews. Jews and Gentiles are together praising their sovereign Lord, and Christ is reigning over all who have embraced him by faith. Paul says, receive the scriptures, study what is written, and then before he concludes the paragraph, he quotes four times from the Old Testament and says, this is what I'm talking about. Let this shape your life, your living. Let this shape your actions and your holiness. In other words, there's room for the Gentiles in the coming kingdom and the Jews. There's room for you in the bride of Christ and me in the bride of Christ, which is the church. You have the law, you have the prophets, you have the writings all agreeing together that God can work out all the problems if we will receive Christ. What Paul's really saying is you don't need to separate. You don't need to split. You don't need to fight. You don't need to sue each other. You don't need to quit. You can work the problems out. There's help available from all these sources and God is honored and God is glorified when you do. Christ the servant is a unifier. If we would receive the servanthood of Christ, it would revolutionize our human relationships. Receive the scriptures. Receive one another. Receive the servanthood of Christ. And then in verse 13, he concludes with what I referenced is perhaps a prayer for the new year. Now, the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Those are positive words. We think, well, strong preaching has got to be full of negativity. Those are positive words. Rather than the minuscule divisions and arguments that many of us have, we can have hope. Abound in joy and peace. When you read a verse like verse 13, ask yourself this. Does that verse even come close to describing me? Some people will not rest if they are not in conflict. And I think to some degree, some people's hard drives are broken. I mean, they need to really submit to the Lord. They need to really confess some sins because it doesn't really matter. There's just turbulence on every flight they're on. And if you don't see verse 13 as descriptive of who you are or of how others would describe you, can you honestly say that your life is filled with all joy and peace in believing? Do you abound in hope? I don't know anybody that abounds in hope. Man, it's 2023. It's a cloudy start to the new year. This is emblematic of what we've got coming for us. I'm in here listening to you ramble. You've already gone too long. You swore to us it was the new year. It was a holiday. We were getting out early. I didn't say any of that. I said, give your money. Build a building. Pay me more. Let me go on vacation. I said all of those things, but none of This is emblematic of what we got coming. If your life does not have joy and peace in believing and you do not abound in hope, the question is why? I'm not asking just you. I'm asking myself, would my family or my friends describe me as being filled with all joy and peace in believing and abounding in hope? Can I tell you publicly, no, they would not describe me like that. But if you'll receive the scriptures... If you'll receive one another, if you'll receive the servanthood of Christ, we have hope. If there's any one thing that could differentiate Christians, if anything could differentiate the church, it could be found in one word, and that word is hope. Hope. And we should find it here. We should be surrounded by it here. We should be infusing each other with it here. The church should signal hope to the world and that it glorifies God through unity. My opinion and your opinion just don't matter. There are not truths that everybody attains to. There is truth that exists within Scripture. And we can have hope. Say, man, look around, Pastor. The stock market is down, right? I don't know if we're being lied to or there's propaganda on all sides and my job is tough and I don't know if I'm even going to get to retire and there's health stuff on the horizon and I feel lonely and I'm anxious and I'm depressed. There's hope. There's a story told of a little boy who had a good attitude. man approached a Little League baseball game one afternoon. He walked up to the dugout and he asked the little boy what the score was. The boy responded, it's 18 to nothing, we're behind. The man remarked, ah, I bet you're discouraged. The little boy looked up at him and said, why should I be discouraged? We haven't gotten up to bat yet. (laughs) Yep, pal, you're getting smoked. We just haven't had our chance to bat. Give us a chance. When it's our turn, we're going to have some hits. When it's our turn, just give us a chance. That's the attitude. That's it. Grace 
Trust healing can be your 2023. No, it can't. No, it can't. I just need everybody to understand that if they don't do it my way, that's the only way I'll have peace is if everybody does it like I want. Well, prepare yourself for an empty life. People wrapped up in themselves make tiny little packages that no one wants to open. They're not even pretty to look at. You can have hope. You say, man, we're down 18 to nothing. I don't even know how to turn this giant ship around. I'm pretty convinced everybody already thinks I'm the enemy. Hey, embrace, receive the scriptures. Let it be the dictator of your life. Receive one another. Well, they don't like me. You receive them. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Now, just let that sink in. Some of you don't have relationships because you're wretched. You're miserable to be around. You are not friendly. Well, that's not what it says. That's the amplified version. A man that has friends must show himself to be friendly. Well, I tried to be friendly and it came across as weird. Now, you got me there. Because I'm the one that said it. Receive one another. Well, I just feel isolated. I don't know that I fit. I don't know that I have a group. Show yourself friendly. Roll those dice. That was a gambling illustration in a sermon on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Take that shot. There you go. That was a pool illustration. It's, there's no Baptistic stuff going on. And receive the servanthood of Christ. You know what your new year could have? Hope. Hope. Some of you are ended 2022 fighting and you started this morning ready to rumble. I hope you sense from me, I ain't rumbling this time. Hope, joy, peace, and believing. Receive the scriptures. They're there for you. You can start today. Receive one another. I don't mean tolerate. I mean warmly, even differences. And receive the servanthood of Christ. Hope can be your 23. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church Podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.